Staging Shakespeare, a podcast for all those who see William Shakespeare primarily as a dramatist and want to explore ways to stage his plays as live theatre. I'm William Gilbert and I've been a director and teacher of theatre for nearly 50 years. In that time, I've directed a lot of Shakespeare plays and I've seen a whole load more in performance. I'd like to share those experiences with you in this podcast as we journey together towards a better understanding of staging Shakespeare. So, let's get started, shall we? Welcome to episode four of Staging Shakespeare. Thanks for listening. I'm calling this episode White Cliffs of Dover. For many of you, I guess, this will immediately alert you to which play I'm going to look at and which scene in it. So yes, it's Act 4, Scene 6 of King Lear, where Edgar takes Gloucester to the top of Dover Cliffs because the blinded old man wishes to end it all by throwing himself over in order to fall to his death. So let's get started on considering how difficult it is to stage this particular scene in the theatre. Once upon a time, I believed in Santa Claus. I don't remember exactly when I was told that Santa didn't exist, but it must have come as quite a shock. As we live our lives, reality creeps in replacing fiction with fact. These days, I no longer believe in the Tooth Fairy either. Hopefully, not many of my listeners are young enough still to believe in Santa. Perhaps I should have given a spoiler alert? Anyway, the point about the existence or non-existence of Santa is this. Once upon a time... I didn't know the story of King Lear either. Or Othello, or Hamlet, or Macbeth. That time is now so long ago that it's very difficult to remember it. I don't remember a time when I didn't know that Lear was going to banish Kent and Cordelia. Or a time when I didn't know that Othello would become obsessed about a handkerchief spotted with strawberries, or a time when I didn't know that Ophelia would drown herself, or that Lady Macbeth would go sleepwalking. All of these incidents are crucial to the plot of a major Shakespeare tragedy. And plot is now something which no longer engages me when I watch a performance of a Shakespeare play, because I know exactly what's going to happen next. But plot is a vital part of any play, and shouldn't be overlooked. Shakespeare's initial audience was undoubtedly gripped by plot just as much as it was entranced by the poetry of his language. And plot is at the heart of how we approach the staging of the Dover Cliff scene. Let me try to explain what I mean by that. 
Now, some of you will be aware that Shakespeare's King Lear wasn't the first play about Lear to hit the stage in Tudor London. There was a previous play in which the name Lear is spelt L-E-I-R and not L-E-A-R, which was performed, according to the records of the theatre impresario Philip Henslow, on the 6th and 8th of April 1594 at the Rose Theatre. Shakespeare's King Lear turns up about ten years later. The earlier King Lear has a happy ending of sorts. At the end of that play, Lear is alive and is restored to his kingdom. So in some respects, we could expect the first audiences of Shakespeare's King Lear to have some idea of the plot, albeit with a different ending. However, unlike Shakespeare's play, the earlier King Lear has no subplot. The Gloucester Edgar Edmund story probably comes from a tale in Sir Philip Sidney's Arcadia, a long prose pastoral romance written and published towards the end of the 16th century. However, many, if not most, of Shakespeare's original audience would not have read Book 2, Chapter 10 of Arcadia, and so the plot of Gloucester and his two sons would be completely new to them, even if they did have some prior familiarity with the story of Lear and his daughters. As an experienced theatre-goer, it is so, so hard to take yourself back to the moment when you didn't know what would happen to Gloucester. It feels like being transported back to a time when Santa and the Tooth Fairy still existed. Nowadays, probably... 95% or more of any audience at a performance of King Lear knows exactly what will happen as the story unfolds. When Edgar leads his father to what he claims is the cliff edge in Dover, we all know that he isn't on the cliff edge at all. We all know that when he throws himself into the abyss, he will simply fall flat on his face on the stage. And because we all know that, the tension in that dramatic moment is completely undermined, destroyed, frankly. We know Gloucester won't die, just as we know Santa doesn't exist. But what if, like Shakespeare's original audience, we didn't know? Let's stop for a moment and ask ourselves this question. How do we know where anything is taking place in a performance of a Shakespeare play? After all, Shakespeare's Globe Theatre was essentially a bare stage, perhaps with a couple of pillars to support its roof, but certainly not with a complex set to indicate to the audience where the action of a particular scene is situated. There's a wonderful book called Stanislavski Produces Othello, which documents Konstantin Stanislavski's working practices in relation to a production of Othello planned for the Moscow Art Theatre in 1929. Stanislavski himself was staying in Nice on doctor's orders, but sent back 
copious notes on how the play should be staged. The opening scene of the play, being outside Brabantio's house in Venice, requires Iago and Rodrigo to arrive on stage by... Yes, you've guessed it. By Gondola. I can't resist reading you a few of Stanislavski's instructions to his colleagues back in Moscow. Obviously, he writes, the gondola will have to be on small wheels. They must be well covered with a thick layer of rubber and roll along very smoothly. Another little detail, the single oar the gondolier uses for rowing is made of tin and is hollow inside. Fill it with water. At the moment of rowing, the water laps about and produces the sound of splashing so typical of Venice. Well, there you have it. You can't fault Stanislavski for his attention to detail or ingenuity. I absolutely love that water-filled tin ore. But the contrast between a production at the Globe Theatre and one at the Moscow Art Theatre couldn't be more stark. So with Stanislavski in charge, we know exactly where a scene is taking place before anybody even speaks. Othello opens in Venice, and so the audience needs to see a gondola and hear the lapping of water. By contrast, Shakespeare himself is quite adept at setting a scene in as few words as possible. What country friend is this? asks Viola in Twelfth Night. This is Illyria, lady, replies the sea captain. Job done. This castle hath a pleasant seat, says King Duncan, arriving at Macbeth's castle. The air nimbly and sweetly recommends itself unto our gentle senses. And to take just one more example in As You Like It, Rosalind could not be more straightforward. Well, this is the forest of Arden, she says to Touchstone. Nothing more is required. Maybe you're thinking that we seem to have strayed a long way away from King Lear and Gloucester at the top of Dover Cliffs. In some respects that's true, but I hope that going off at what may seem like a bit of a tangent will eventually pay dividends. So, without more ado, let's get back to Act 4, Scene 6 of King Lear. Remember, Gloucester has been blinded by Cornwall and thrown out of his castle onto the open road to fend for himself. By luck, his son Edgar, himself a fugitive and disguised as the madman known as Poor Tom, comes to his rescue, and Gloucester, not knowing who he is, asks poor Tom to take him to Dover. This is what he says in Act 4, Scene 1. There is a cliff whose high and bending head looks fearfully in the confined deep. Bring me but to the very brim of it, and I'll repair the misery thou dost bear with something rich about me. From that place I shall no leading need. Give me thy arm, replies Edgar. Poor Tom shall lead thee. 
and off they go together. Five scenes later, the two of them appear on stage together again. Now remember, we're watching the play for the first time. We have no idea of the plot. We have no knowledge of where anything is happening, unless, through the words of the characters, Shakespeare tells us. Since we last saw Gloucester and Edgar, four other scenes have intervened. We know that Gloucester asked poor Tom to take him to Dover Cliff. Clearly, some time has now passed. As they enter, we are asking ourselves, are they at Dover yet? Or are they still on their way there? Both situations are possible, but Shakespeare doesn't leave us in doubt for very long. In fact, Gloucester asks the very same question which is going through our minds. When shall I come to the top of that same hill, he asks. Meaning, of course, when shall I be at the top of Dover Cliff? You do climb up it now, Edgar replies. Look how we labour. What should we think of that reply? To my mind, we should think exactly the same as when Rosalind says, Well, this is the Forest of Arden. Do we see any trees on stage in As You Like It? No. Or, as the chorus in Henry V says, Think when we talk of horses that you see them, printing their proud hoofs the receiving earth. So, when Gloucester complains that the ground is flat, we say, <laughs> of course, <laughs> the stage is flat. But we have to imagine a slope leading up to the cliff edge. We're ready for that with Shakespeare. We know that his plays demand a bit of work from our imaginary forces. And even when Gloucester queries the situation by saying, hmm, he thinks the ground is even, we don't really notice. Or if we do, we attribute it to Shakespeare's daring, having one of the characters actually point out to us that the stage is flat even though we're supposed to imagine that it slopes upwards. And then we come to the cliff edge itself, where we need to pause to draw breath and consider the scene which Shakespeare paints for our benefit and Gloucester's too. Edgar describes the view from the top of Dover Cliff. How fearful and dizzy tis to cast one's eyes so low, he says. He says that he can see a samphire gatherer, dreadful trade, and fishermen walking on the beach who appear like mice. The sound of the waves on the pebble beach cannot be heard at such a height. Gloucester believes him. And so should we. For this is my point. Watching the play for the very first time, not knowing the plot, we have no reason to doubt Edgar. And when, moments later, he leaves Gloucester and the cliff edge, 
and after praying to the gods to bless his son Edgar, the blind man throws himself forward intending to fall to his death. Our hearts should be in our mouths, for like Gloucester, we can see the abyss in our mind's eye, painted by Shakespeare in the words he gives to poor Tom. We should be gripped by the fear that Gloucester is genuinely on the brink of suicide. And yet that's not quite right either. For just before we want to shout out to Gloucester, don't do it, Edgar has this to say. Why I do trifle thus with his despair is done to cure it. And at that moment, the plot twists in a way that we could never have predicted. OK, maybe now that bit about the ground being even starts to make sense in a different way. Maybe all along we had a suspicion that nice, kind Edgar wouldn't really take his dear old blinded father to the easiest place in the south of England to commit suicide. But we couldn't be sure, could we? Could we? Really? Did Santa Claus never really exist? Never? Really? What I'm arguing for here is a recognition that when we are directing or acting this oh-so-famous play, we stop just for a moment and ask ourselves, what if I didn't know the story of this play? How would it be different? How can I, as an actor or a director, help the audience recapture the freshness of a time when the plot of a Shakespeare play unwrapped itself before them, scene by scene, moment by moment, revealing at each twist and turn something surprising and unexpected which made them catch their breath. It isn't easy to do, but it's really worth striving for. That's all for episode four. Do remember that you can email me at podcaststagingshakespeare at gmail.com. I hope you've enjoyed thinking about the White Cliffs of Dover. Thanks for listening. Bye now. Thank you.